Welcome everybody to another episode of the Character Corner. I'm your substitute teacher for the day, Justin. Today's Character Corner is going to be a little bit different than what you may be accustomed to. Instead of breaking down a character's comic book history, lore, and canon, we're instead going to be talking to one of the co-authors of a recently completed miniseries of a beloved character. I'm talking about Stephanie Williams, the co-author of Nubia and the Amazons. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty good uh today. How about yourself? Cannot complain. It, it you know, it's a day. It's a day. I, I feel yeah. like today was ripped straight from one of your parenthood activate uh shorts. <laughs> I mean, if not today, tomorrow or the day after that, because there is never a dull moment when you have a child, especially one that is under the age of ten. It, the adventure continues. The adventure continues. Yes. It's so we have you here today to talk about Nubia. You have t- you have just finished your miniseries on Nubia. I believe now, or when this when this uh, releases, at least the Coronation Special will be out. And I want to just sit down and talk with you about Nubia, her importance, but specifically how you crafted Nubia and how you sort of took that character and took her on her own hero's journey. Oh, okay. So that was. Um... That was the most exciting and scary thing at the same time because, you know, Nubia isn't necessarily a new character um, since her creation in uh, was it 1973, I believe. I could be wrong at this time, but um, <laughs> I've read those three issues that she was in in Wonder Woman um, at nauseum. So there's that. But um, the reason why I say that it was just... Um, nerve-wracking is because Nubia still has a pretty sizable fan base even though she hadn't really been in the comics for at one point almost two decades until she pops up again um in the late 90s Wonder Woman run and then like sprinkles of her throughout stuff ever since then and then with uh Nubia Real One and then the Future State stories again like there just isn't enough so and thinking of that, um, I was just like talking to Vita and the question was, okay, so like if she had been somebody that had been around since her inception, like active in the comics, what would that look like? And to me, it just made all the sense in the world to kind of start with George Perez's run of Wonder Woman, um, because I always remember that being something that actually made me interested in Wonder Woman and just the Amazons in general, because it to me uh during his time and Lynn Wein's um yeah time on that book you really get the heart of the Amazons and uh Nubia is somebody who had been isolated um in her introduction and you know she appears on uh Themyscira to take on Wonder Woman for the title and then you have um you get a little backstory on her in 205 where you see that she's off on this floating island and just there with men. <laughs> so the total complete opposite of what the mascara looks like. And she feels isolation. She feels lonely. When she goes into her tent after, um, you know, telling everybody, no, no one is going to fight for me. I will fight for myself. And then like basically beating the brakes off the guy who wanted to fight for her. Um, she expresses how lonely and other she feel, felt. So it was really important to me that Nubia had a sense of community. Um, felt like that she deserved that um, and that she wasn't necessarily othered because she would have to deal with being othered in man's world. There's no need to actually replicate that on the mascara. It's supposed to be a paradise. 
or so they say it is. Um, so that was the next question is what does the mascara look like? And is this really uh, the paradise that it poses itself to be, which I thought was no, because, um, you know, they're guarding Doom's doorway. Um, literal hell is in the basement. So there has to be a little hypocrisy there. Um, so in thinking of that and someone that would kind of help flesh out Nubia's character, that's where Medusa came into play. Because uh, I wanted to express that Nubia is not only just strong, we get that, we know that, that's not a question. But what are the other parts of her that make her a fully realized character that does not rely on the proximity of being Diana's sister or the proximity of being Wonder Woman? Like who is Nubia by herself? And that is where everything truly began. I want I want to touch on something that you brought up. I want to touch on all of that actually, but I I want to I first want to go to Nubia's feeling of loneliness. Mm-hmm. You managed to capture in the the miniseries, even as Queen, she still feels I don't want to say isolated because she has that community, but it's almost like her responsibilities. Yeah have separated her from the people yes (laughs) which is a jarring thing because again um she was like you know a guardian of champion of doom's doorway for all this time that's the way that um you know it was given to us and then to take it from there but now she goes from that a job in the basement to now being queen another position where um she could not have that many interactions with um, her, you know, the other Amazons, but I kind of wanted to be that to be the case. So even though she is expressing that loneliness, I hope that it showed through her friendship with Philippus, which I thought was important to make a thing, not only just for Nubia, but for Philippus as well. And then um, giving her a love interest, technically two love interests, a uh, love interest. Um, and for Io to be that person um, who she could be open with about some of that loneliness and that unsureness of taking on this role, um, which (laughs) essentially, um, not that she wasn't up for the task, but the way that she got it was because she was the only one who was brave enough to even think of staring in the face of Medusa. I think one thing that the story captures so well and that you, you, you really conveyed was, like you said, she's surrounded by that community. She's not alone. And she Mm -hmm. still feels that loneliness. But even throughout the whole run and her whole journey, she never forgets why she's doing anything that she does. It's because of that connection to the people that she has. So when you say that it was important for you to to, for for her to have that community, to have that connection and for that to be conveyed, I think you did a really good job conveying that because that sort of gets to the core of what of what I when I was reading this, what I my main takeaway was. Nubia is the queen because of these things. Like everything that Nubia is insecure about or everything that Nubia is expressing doubt about is why she was chosen for the job. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy that that shined through because, um, well, I try not to use the word or the, the phrase imposter syndrome anymore, especially after learning its origins. Um, but even with that being said, um, you know, she's Amazon, she's human, whatever. Um, she would still like she isn't so perfect that she would not question herself um and that was maybe little bits and pieces of me coming through in her character because 
fortunately, I saw the parallels between myself and Nubia while writing this. Um, Nubia was going from champion to queen of the, you know, queen of the Amazons. Myself going from, I don't know, like writing and talking about comics, um, making my own web comics uh, with the help of some amazing artists to this huge leap of writing the series. Um, and even though it co-wrote it with Vita, um, essentially <laughs> the way Vita treated it for me, which I'm so thankful that they did, where it was, um, hey, I'm here to help you, but like you got this, like you can do this. I'm here in name only and, you know, uh, give ideas and stuff like that. But like, this is your baby. Um, so do with do with it what you will. And um, I kind of felt the same way as far as Hippolyta um, kind of giving Nubia or picking Nubia to be queen that it was kind of the same thing. Um, and as the story progresses, I hope that it shows that maybe you could see me getting much more comfortable in writing this and Nubia getting a little bit more comfortable in her role as queen. Like she may still have some doubts, but there's a difference from, you know, Nubia in the first issue to the time you get to the fifth or sixth where, you know, she is really cemented in her uh, leadership role and what type of queen she is and how that's so different from Hippolyta or even how Diana might rule. My favorite moment in the run that sort of gets to just another core tenet of Nubia's character when she dons the armor, I think it's an issue four mm -hmm. and goes down to the doomsday or goes down into hell and hands Medusa her head and says, okay, I'll, I'll shoot you the fair one. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's get this over with. <laughs> Um, that's that confidence. So that's the confidence that we get introduced to it when she first when she first comes on to a comic page. Um, I thought back to her first introduction in Wonder Woman 204, and I'm like, yeah, this is the type of character she is where, you know, she she is going to cash every single check that she writes. Yes. And I like how you said that. Nubia's journey mirrored your own as well. I think what makes a great hero's journey or a great character arc is the relatability of it. And Nubia's character arc, like her, her entire arc from future state to now is very relatable for anyone, not just someone in your position who came from the people's champ, because let's be honest, that's what you were. You were the people's champ. <laughs> to, I appreciate that. To helming Nubia, like anyone that's in that position of having this great responsibility thrust upon them having those doubts and just seeing someone like Nubia triumph, I think that also is what makes a good, like a, a great hero's journey, the relatability of it. So was that something that you were aiming for from the get-go or that just sort of naturally evolve? Um, I think it's something that naturally, naturally evolved, but it's always something that I have in mind whenever I'm writing, whether it was just like writing about comics and different and profiling different characters, just kind of pull out those things that people can kind of latch on to and get them interested in that character. And subconsciously it just came through here because to me, um, the comic stories and we're talking just capes, uh, superhero stories, um, the ones that I've always remembered or really struck a chord with me are always the ones that are simply human and relatable. And I feel like that was more difficult than, to do than I thought because you have one, this black woman who is an Amazon. Um, so on this fictional island, uh, she is communicating with gods and all of these other things. So like, how do you make that relatable? Um, this isn't a every, you know, run the mill type person. So I've just, I don't know, like I just figured if I 
kind of mirror this after um, my own experiences as just a black woman in any industry, this would be the same thing. So I'm happy that that's something that really kind of shine. Yeah, that shines and comes out in the wash because those are the stories that to me last the longest. So I hope uh, Nubia uh, Nubia in the Amazons is one of those stories that 10 years from now people are still talking about because of its relatability. I do want to talk more specifically about when you were first given this project, when you were first given the reins to Nubia, how did you decide what you wanted her arc to look like? Um... Starting, well, that started from who did I want her, I guess, her her foil to be, her villain. Um, so that being Medusa, from there, I was like, okay, so then this story is going to have to be something by the end that we see Anubia who um, has established how she is going to rule as queen. Um, and is she going to be somebody who's going to listen to her community? Is she going to be somebody who um, is infallible? Is she going to be someone, um, I don't know, who just who just knows it? She's queen. Um, she's the end all be all. And that's it. And I was like, well, absolutely not. That I don't like that. <laughs> that doesn't really re- leave mo- uh, room for a lot of interesting storytelling. So once it was decided um, that Medusa was something that we could work with, um, that's where I kind of built um, Nubia's arc around that because um, it would have to parallel, if anything, um, Medusa's. Um, and I've been finding that when you kind of do that with your hero against whatever their major problem is um, and just asking questions around that, that usually helps um, when the vibes run out because the vibes do run out very quickly, I've learned when writing comics. So what made you decide to pick Medusa as your main antagonist for Nubia and the Amazons? I felt like Medusa brings out the hypocrisy that is that can beat the mascara. Um, you have this woman who uh, was wronged um, by men um, and also a woman or a guide. And then you have these women that are on this island who are get a second chance at life and they are blessed by the goddesses. So I was like, well, that, that kind of sucks. Um, so the rest of y'all get to be here, you know, having a time of your life and doing things differently. And Medusa, who was essentially a victim of the same things that you were, is in Doom's doorway, like is in Tartarus, is, you know, stuck in hell. Like how, how is that making sense? So um, to me, like that was something that would, show i don't know like nubia can't couldn't punch her way out of that like she could but like that's not a that wouldn't been a resolution that would have lasted a really long time because fear is just something fear has an expiration date on it um and i didn't feel like that was i don't know like could have had her just go up against a huge hydra and that be the thing instead of just like a one-page thing uh with medusa she had to be more than a champion um which I felt like further proved why she was queen and worthy of being queen. I think you said it's important that you captured a villain that Nubia couldn't punch her way out of because that didn't fit the story you wanted to tell with her. And I, don't, I think when you have a character like Nubia that is so incredibly powerful, just having her punch her way out of the problem sort of removes that 
relatability from the character. It's like, okay, Nubia solved this because she's yeah. strong. I can't be that. Yeah, it's very much so that. And then also she's got these new Amazons on the island. So like the Well of Souls is opened up. It hasn't op- hasn't been open since the last time she came through it. Um, so you got that there. Like, how is she handling that? And then the fact that one of the new Amazons um, is like quickly possessed by Medusa. She hadn't even been out the well a couple days before that happened. So like, she definitely could not punch her way out of it because that would have caused harm to this am- this other Amazon, her her sister. So um, again, like. <laughs> I don't know, like for me, that was just more interesting in trying to figure out how she would figure this out because I don't know, like that would have just been like, maybe you don't need to be queen if you are willing to hurt your own in order to solve a problem. Like there's another way to kind of possibly de-escalate this and solve it. And I thought that was very important to, uh, for Nubia to I don't know, like have a moment to do because again, like her being queen versus her being a champion are two very different things. Um, they require, you know, some of the same skill sets, but there's another set, set of skills that um, she needed to exude so that you can get like, hey, she just wasn't crowned because she was, you know, <laughs> the forgotten black Amazon and, you know, we need to make her queen. Like, no, like, let's make it mean something. And I think that 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 shines in the issue where they they have the meeting after she fights a drama the first time and said, hey, you let her go. Mm -hmm. And Nubia says, yeah, because I'm not going to hurt my sister. (laughs) And they try to stick up for her and say, no, don't question your queen. She says, no, actually take responsibility. I stand by my decision. However, comma, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hurt my sister. So. So what we gonna do? You gonna deal with it, or uh, we gonna have a problem? And and again, that also created a moment uh, to show that all of the Amazons, it's not um, they're not all homogenous when it comes to to thought. They are not a monolith. They again might be on this island that is supposed to be paradise, but they still have differing opinions. Some of them are open to man's world; others are not. Um, and they, but they still have disagreements and like, that's okay. Um, just because there is an absence of men on this Island does not mean that it is perfect. And that was another thing that I really wanted to kind of question and, um, kind of pick at, uh, was this idea of Themyscira. Cause I'm gonna be very honest with you. Um, Wonder Woman for a while took me a while to get into outside of the cartoons because it was just something that I always associated to. Uh, white women. Um, And by that, I mean like white feminism. And that (laughs) is insidious in its own ways. And I wanted to challenge that because just because men aren't here doesn't mean that things will be okay. Like there will be other problems that arise and women can be terrible too. And so it sounds like in in crafting Nubia's arc, there are themes you wanted to explore within Nubia, but also within the environment surrounding her. Sort of using her not i don't want to say like a fish out of water type story but we are basically seeing the mascara through her eyes and through the eyes of the new arrivals from the well of souls yeah and i mean essentially it kind of is um a little bit of a fish out of water situation though even for nubia because um as champion of doom's doorway she isn't getting that much interaction with everyone uh all the other people on the island because you know the door takes the bulk of your response your 
your energy, your time, all of that. So to me, like being out of that position and now FaceTiming with all of these people, that to me would present a situation where, yeah, you feel a little out of place and your perspective on things is probably going to be a little different um, as well. Because again, like you haven't really been, I don't know, like in the mix, uh, so to speak, um, as uh, as the other Amazons that are just there with their their duties that do not involve uh, protecting everyone and everything from Doom's Doorway, which is just a huge, huge responsibility. Going back to what you said earlier on, we were t- when we brought up Nubia and her interactions with people, you gave her multiple romantic partners and romantic interests. Did you find it challenging to give her a romance subplot, but not let the romance dominate the narrative? Not at all, because next to comics, uh, romance novels are on very high on my reading list. So um, if anything, that was probably the the most the easiest thing uh to write out of all of it uh because i feel like there's a way um to you know have the romance happen but it doesn't dominate the story versus if it was a full-on romance thing you don't have to have the action or whatever dominate it so no that was actually the easiest thing and if anything i felt like um i don't know, like that helped me be a little bit more vulnerable in my writing um because she then had folks that she could be vulnerable with herself because here's the thing um, I thought it was just very important for this this character who is is coming off as this strong black woman to again um have moments of being vulnerable with someone else who isn't just like, oh no, like you're good, like you're like you're fine, like why are you questioning yourself like you can do this, but is actually listening to what she has to say and trying to be encouraging in a, I'm not trying to solve this problem for you. I'm here as you try to work it out for yourself. So when, when crafting that, that story arc, it sounds like you wanted to have that balance between that vulnerability, that strength, that doubt, that confidence. It, it, it's a very fine line to walk and you managed to do that very well. And Justin, I do not know how. <laughs> So if you're gonna ask me, I I don't I don't even know. I, this Nubia and the Amazons was really truly something that was written I don't, from another place. Um, a lot of it, as I go back and I even reread it myself, I'm like, wow, I had no idea that um, all of this was coming out as I was writing it. But I I think a, a thing that <laughs> probably what it was is from. Uh, Misty Nights Underperformed Afro, that podcast, and all of the um, focus that we put on Black women characters in comics and the recurring dream, I mean, the recurring theme, this is a recurring dream sometimes too, that you have these women who are strong and sometimes perfect, and you really don't get to see them be vulnerable to question themselves without it being used against them. And I wanted, I wanted it to be, I, I, I didn't want that. I wanted to subvert that. And I wanted her vulnerability, her weaknesses, her unsureness to be something that, if anything, aided her character because it made her relatable. Um, and it showed that, sure, she's queen, she's champion, but she still has moments where she needs others to be strong for her. And that's okay. Did you feel any pressure? 
with taking a character like Nubia that is beloved by the zeitgeist but doesn't necessarily have the history behind did you feel a pressure to make her live up to those perfect ideals or were you were you ready to subvert all of the the strong black woman tropes that have been thrust upon her from the get-go i came in guns blazing ready to subvert the fuck out of that (laughs) so sorry for cursing but like yeah that was that was actually if i could put that on the post-it note and i probably did at one point i wanted to subvert that because they said no like we're not if I'm if I'm here writing this, that is not going to to happen because we have so many of those stories. Um, and I yeah, I just did not want that. Um, I didn't want that for Nubia. Hell, I didn't even want it for myself. Um, as far as like trying to write that, um, because it just felt unfair to her character. Because I'm like, wow, like okay, so strong black woman. Like, what else are we doing with your stories after this? Um, because also the thing that I had in mind when writing her character is that I wanted to set her up in a way that if when I'm not writing Nubia anymore that's something someone else is they have hopefully some interesting things to work with and they don't have to write this character who's just ready to show up and be the best thing ever and we just go home so also in in crafting Nubia's story it's a complete story but also as you said there's threads for other writers to pick up on and other writers to say hey that's interesting i want to take that just the way you look back on previous Nubia stories and say hey she was championed at at, at doom's door Let, let's explore that let's explore her but are there any threads that you've left that you would like to see explored by someone not yourself absolutely um the introduction of bia um, so Bia is a black trans Amazon that we introduce um because again, um I love Chris Claremont. Um he is the king of subtext, but it's 2022. We don't have to live in subtext. Um so while to me, uh, being an Amazon, Themyscira and all that had is already steeped in a lot of trans allegory, I didn't I didn't want that to be the thing. Like, I didn't want this to be a thing where like, you know, folks had to be like, well, if you read the subtext of this, then you'll know. And I'm like, no, um, we can actually have this character exist and say that this character is there and this is who they are. So there's no room to be left to be questioned. Um, and I felt like having the well of souls, just such a beautiful thing. Um, when George Perez introduced the cavern of souls and wonder woman, that was wonderful because then we get a Themyscira that is not homogenous in all way. Um, like we see other ethnicities there. So thinking of that and bringing it to now, um, to me, that meant showing on a very divine level, um, in this DC universe that, uh, trans women are women and i hate to even say that because that's like duh of course they are but i just mean that for folks who still can't get that through their heads um so having bia there i hope and i pray that that gives someone and it better be a black trans woman who is writing this or just a trans person in general to take that in the wonder woman side of dc and say hey this is here like this is canon because canon is king right this is here so like i can do this with this character or introduce another character who that is just like her um they can further push the boundaries um that i hope we at least you know messed up or made weak just a little bit um because you know rules are for those who want to adhere to them um and don't yet know that 
they can push the boundaries beyond those rules that have been set. And I think thematically, that's what Nubia is about. It's about pushing those boundaries, text and subtext, and mm-hmm. exploring what it means to be in charge. Yeah, because it, it looks different. Because that's the other thing. Like, how do you... <laughs> Because the mascara is different, right? It's not like the rest of man's world. So they don't, they're, they aren't bogged down by the same um, constructs as man's world as far as uh, gender roles, gender in itself. Um, I don't know, like all these things. Also, race. So, how do you still show that even though this black woman is an Amazon, they're virtually all the same. How do you still show that plight? Cause it's still going to show up in some kind of way. And I think that is why I kind of leaned into the whole thing with the new Amazons to kind of show that, Hey, there's still some xenophobia here. Like there is some type of othering that is still happening on this Island. Um, it just looks different, but ho- it looks different, but hopefully like it's still, relatable to you in some way because it would have made no sense to <laughs> have somebody another amazon calling uh nubia the n-word because like that isn't something that would exist there right and some people want when they read these stories and they read these characters and they latch onto those characters they want that catharsis by proxy from that character so they want them to experience the horrible things that they've experienced so they can see them triumph over those things but it sounds like with you and it's like, like- Oh, well, no, I was going to say, like, and I get, and there's a time and a place for that. Like, that works and fits. Um, and Nubia Coordination, we actually explored that um, because she is talking to John Jones, who is, um, at the time where the story takes place, um, he is a police detective in Denver. So, and they have this conversation about, which is a really interesting conversation about what Blackness means um, for them in America versus what it means to Nubia, who is on the mascara, it's not the same thing. And John, who has chosen to take the form of a black man, even knowing that he's going to have to deal with BS, but he's a Martian. So it's, it's so for them to have that conversation, I don't know. Like I felt like that was a time and a place for that versus when she's on the mascara. And I don't know. Like it doesn't always have to be. Um, you know, some type of real life relatable pain that we have to deal with in these fictional worlds in order for you to um, relate to these characters. Again, those stories are fine, but there's a time and a place for them. And for Nubia and the Amazons, because it's about her and also those Amazons on that island, that was not the time and the place for it. It just wouldn't have, like, it, it wouldn't have made sense. And I think you achieve that relatability through just again, how you constructed Nubia, how you told her hero's journey, but also her supporting cast, right? We, we, you talked about the importance of making Medusa her foil. How important was it to introduce the new arrivals from the Well of Souls, to introduce Andromeda, Bia, to introduce her love interest? How important was her supporting cast in Nubia and the Amazons? They are supremely important because you need to care about the Amazons that she's queen over (laughs) because like if you don't care about them then why would you care about her role as queen um so i was like it's really important to just make her supporting cast just as either interesting or relatable as her so that when all the pieces come together um when nubia takes away her lesson of the day medusa bia andromeda whoever um like you actually care because there is 
some semblance of a community here. It just isn't, you know, Nubia being queen, but you don't even know though she's queen that she's she her subjects like you don't know them um and for me like i i would find that very hard to i don't know like to be very convinced that nubia is the one that should be queen if i don't even know how she is um i don't know handling things with her supporting cast um uh, because i didn't take the time to actually make them characters it sounds like a lot of care went into your Themyscira and it sounds like a lot of care went into your story and that it goes beyond just Nubia. The title is Nubia and the Amazons. So you had to make sure that the Amazons were also given agency and fleshed out as well. Yeah, because the other tough thing about the series was that it's a prelude into a Wonder Woman event. Um, and one that, you know, the, the Wonder Woman side of the universe really hasn't had um, in ever. So that was the other difficult thing. How do you give these characters enough time to kind of sort their things out before this big event takes place? That is like supremely hard, like trying to keep up with events is one thing, but <laughs> writing something leading up into it is like, I don't, it's just far more difficult than I could have ever imagined. But I was really satisfied um, by the time we got to the fifth issue and essentially kind of resolved that story and six is left to be, you know, given to the event. Because um, again, like difficult, especially for a character and characters in general that people really don't know. Like you don't really know the Amazons like that because Diana isn't going home that frequently when she is there she has interactions with her mom and maybe like you know a few amazons or some new person that she's brought <laughs> to possibly become an amazon but you don't really get to spend time with a whole lot of them um like for io for instance i lost so much sleep over pairing her and nubia together because let me keep it real um i've seen a screenshot of io and she was looking real tan so i was like oh maybe she you know a little light skin i'm not sure but um like this could work for nubia because to me it made sense that a blacksmith and a champion would see each other the most um and eventually develop if not a friendship um first and then maybe get into some other things but for io um she was somebody who pined after diana but those feelings were never reciprocated and i thought how unfair like blacksmiths deserve love too they're your characters that are often extremely wise or caring um but someone that people can go to and just really express themselves so I thought it really important to give Io someone who was going to care for her as much as she cared um, for them. Because um, I don't like both these women deserve that, regardless of um, the optics of it. And trust me, I know I've again, right, <laughs> wrote and talked about comics for a really long time. So I thought to myself, well, damn. Um, so you just add right on to. Um, <laughs> the swirl um agenda and i'm like well sorry i did but also again race is not the same on themiscara too so i tried to keep that in mind uh when it came to it by the way there's nothing wrong with the swirl agenda um them youtube channels you know tiktoks be doing a lot but it's okay i have so many jokes about the swirl agenda that i <laughs> when this is done we can we can talk about it, but 
I, I think it, it's a testament to how you wrote them because I didn't even have any of my swirl agenda jokes that I usually have. When I read that, I just saw two people in love. And most importantly, I saw, I saw someone that Nubia could literally and figuratively take the armor off around. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm happy that show that came through. Yeah. And again, the, subtext and text the blacksmith caring for the anyways i really love that whole relationship even if it even if it wasn't intentional and i'm reading too much into it the fact that it's there to be read into i appreciated that because the blacksmith is caring for she who's who viewed herself as only a weapon and she's showing her that she's more than just it's presented come on justin so that was a yes so that is also um i think that thought crossed my mind maybe by issue two or three and i was like okay girl your your subconscious be working don't it um because yes very much what you just said um and i think that's why i was able to sneak this in um but it's like a little descriptor for io and it's just like um blacksmith who is really good with her hands so do with that what you will and i didn't catch that into my reread that that really good with her hands i was like okay yeah she's a blacksmith does she's oh <laughs> got it last thing and then, I'll, and then we can get out of here writing for a company like dc often means like you've alluded to you're writing lead-ups into events or you're coming off of the heels of events and it's really it can be challenging to tell self-contained stories did you feel or how did you approach that with nubia knowing that you it was you started with Future Slate and then leading into this Wonder Woman event. How did you approach that knowing that this self-contained story was also between two really big company-wide events? Um, so the way that I approached it is when I'm doing, uh, when I would be doing my research on um, character profiles and like a character's whatever would get mixed up in the bunch of an event or coming out of one, I was like, okay, so what are some things that when I've done this and I've asked myself, hey, would have been nice if I would have gotten this info or they did this really well. So like, how can I apply that to this? Um, I think of Black Panther um, because that's something Black Panther and X-Men were two Marvel related things that um, really served me with the Nubia and the Amazons X-Men because of those uh, text pages with all the information. So applied that um, to Nubia and the Amazons with the history pages. And then um, Black Panther with um, T'Challa and do I want to be a hero or do I want to be a king? But also his books that or his uh, the stories and stuff leading into like Civil War and how that was handled and then coming out of it. I was just like, okay, so then how did they go about, you know, getting this little arc for um, him or Shuri or whoever? I think it might have been Shuri, but how did that work and how didn't it work? Um, so in thinking of that, I was like, okay, I just kind of got to act like um, this event doesn't exist and then come back after I get done with my outline and sprinkle in things that can be pulled uh, for that event. So seeding things, um, either Easter eggs or just something that can be called back to um, while somebody is reading that event and say, oh, okay, so like that's why that thing mattered. Um, But once I kind of figured that out, I'm like, okay, this isn't as bad. It still sucks because it'd be nice to just write a story that isn't tied to an event. But 
um, there's ways to do it. Like it can be done. It can be done. And you did a great job. Do you have any last words for aspiring writers, whether professionally or hobbyists on how, on what makes a good hero's journey or what makes a worthwhile hero's journey? Huh, so relatability, I cannot stress that enough. Going with um, following your gut. And that is really hard to do, especially in the age of instant feedback. I found at some points, like I had to literally just get off of Twitter because I'd see somebody getting cooked for something that they did in a book. And I was like, oh my God, that will possibly be me um, in two or three months. But um, tell the story that you want to tell. Like, it's your thing. Like, nobody can tell this story like you can. Like, you, it's your voice. It's your idea. It's it's you. Um, and that's what separates you from everyone else. Cause there is only one you. So have trust and faith in that. And the story that you want to tell is going to resonate with someone, um, because it's going to be different than they might've done it, but it'll help them see things in a different perspective, or maybe they'll be like, Oh, so, okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, uh, crazy. Like someone else feels this way too. So, um, I don't like have confidence in that. And, just make your thing. Um, you, if you concern yourself with trying to please everyone, you will write absolutely nothing at all. Or if you do write something, it's probably not going to be that great because it's not in service to you. It's in service to everyone else. And I just don't know as a creative how you can function in that way. Personally, I can't because I mean, I'm here because I love comics and I care about these characters and like, I would like to see them go off and do amazing things, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I was trying to check off every single box that someone wanted. Cause you might please someone and then someone down the street will be upset because you didn't please them or the thing that you, did, you ended up doing three other people hated it. It's just going to happen. It's okay. Like you'll be fine. Stephanie Williams, author of Nubia and the Amazons, author of the Nubia Coronation Special, author of But What If Though, Parenthood Activate. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell the people where they can find you and where they can find all the amazing things that you are up to these days? So you can find me on all social platforms at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Uh, there will be a link to my link tree, which has my main website, which is whystuff.com, which has links to uh, parenthoodactivate.com and also, uh, but what if though, which I think might be going into retirement. I'm not sure yet, but uh, you can find those projects there. And then Living Heroes, you can actually read for free now on Global Comics and that's comics with an X at the end, uh, .com. And you can still purchase it if you would like on my coffee store, which is also in that link, link tree account. Oh, Nubia Queen of the Amazons starts June 7th. And there's also a Nubia story in the DC Pride anthology, which is also June 7th. And it features Nubia teaming up with Bitparta because why not? Thank you so much again for stopping by. And I want to thank all of you for taking the time out of your day to listen, to support, to subscribe, to download, to whatever you had to do to listen to this episode. I'm glad you found us. I'm glad you did. And until next time, take care.